This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big Eight tournament champion. Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, on air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Hold up. Welcome back on the block. This is East Strick and Austin. We thank you for joining us at 2 to 4 each and every day right here. It is 9 p.m. where I'm at right now. Obviously, this is the second hour of on the block, 3 p.m. in the States. But we're going to get into a little bit of Nebraska talk right now. We're going to talk a little bit about Nebraska football, a new addition that they had. And I'm not talking about the, the singing group. We're talking about a new player that is going to be joining the squad in the in a in a very light now receiving room where they've lost some people in the transfer portal. Obviously, we lost one of the greatest names I think uh, out there for uh, in, especially in the NIL area and that's uh, era. That's the coldest Crawford. We locked we let we lost him and others as well as. Uh, <laughs> as well as, um, you know, uh, Xavier Betts. You know, just certain guys have been able to come and go. And as of late, the the number one receiver um, and in the Nebraska wide receiver room has not really emerged. You have, obviously, you have Elante Brown. You have uh, Washington still there. Um, and, 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 you know, others have moved on. Uh, I think what, Manning's moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that Trey Palmer is going to be moving on. And so it's a light room. There's opportunity, the availability where we've had now Samari Toure, who has come in out of the portal, had a tremendous year now playing at Green Bay, uh, landed a spot there. We'll, we, we, it's yet to be seen what Trey Palmer is going to do. We will see uh, uh, how he feels about going into uh, the draft, if he feels his, his stock is there. Uh, but it's I think he's pretty much – made an all-out decision on that. But when we get into it, we found that someone that Nebraska's kind of been high on, a Virginia Cavalier, uh, that won't that, – uh, it's good that Nate's not here. We probably wouldn't even be talking about this right <laughs> nope, now. Nate skip right game, over it. Nate, obviously, we go right over that with uh, the hokey homer that he was. <laughs> but um, Billy Kemp, the fourth uh, out of the Virginia Cavaliers um, – the wide receiver, 5'9", 172, out of Highland Springs, Virginia, will be joining the Corps. Uh, only played in five games last year, um, and uh, the numbers don't really, like, stick out on you. So, I mean, we don't know what the dynamic was there. He is probably one of their top receivers, and I think he's in I, – if I, if I remember correctly when I looked at it, I think he's in the top ten. Uh, 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 he's exhausted his eligibility – um, as of 2022, where he initially declared for the uh, for the 2023 draft back in December, but then the NCA granted him an additional year of eligibility, um, actually to any Virginia player because of what I, what had happened, I believe, on on campus um, uh, in, in in the state. And so uh, Kemp decided to exercise that option. He entered into the uh, transfer portal on December 30th. 
took a visit to Nebraska. He had others that he was looking at taking a visit to, uh, did not do so. Kemp has uh, gained over 1,174 yards, eight touchdowns, 2,337 all-purpose yards uh, while he spent uh, multiple seasons there in Virginia. Uh, Kemp leads Virginia ranked number fourth in the program. There it is. Yeah, there he is. All-time, number four, with 192 catches. And uh, so what do you think, Austin, about this addition? Uh, because, it, again, it's a, it, the room has shrunk tremendously with some of the, the, the those those players that decided to bounce out and leave. We do have some that are going to be coming in. Uh, but there's not an established one. There's no one. It's open. It's it's ready. It's for the right for the picking. And uh, some people seem to believe that he might be this guy. He could be. I think it's going to be hard for an inside interior receiver to carve out that role. At 5'9", 170, he's not going to be playing outside. Nebraska, plain and simple, needs bigger targets on the outside, which is why I'm a little higher on a guy like Marcus Washington ultimately becoming the alpha. Samori Ture was best in the slot, but he was also a bigger slot guy, closer to six foot, a little over, uh, very smooth. Yes. Billy Kemp, I think, is a guy that you can get on a lot of crossing routes, get him the ball pretty quick and let him go to work with it. And I think that's an element Nebraska's been lacking pretty consistently. But we saw passing offenses at Nebraska struggle when the number one was an interior guy. When J.D. Spielman, who should have been a slot guy, was forced to play outside, he was good. He still put up numbers because he was good, but it's not ideal. As long and as fast as corners are now, you want your slot guys matched up against either that fifth corner if they're a nickel or against a linebacker to use that advantage. Uh, Wandale Robinson, another example. Or safety. Or safety, absolutely. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Does he does he give you kind of Wondell Robinson type type of flow who has tremendous success out of mm-hmm. Kentucky um, mm-hmm. out of the slot? Absolutely. And, and, but, but they jetted him a lot. They did a lot of different things with Wondell that. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Because we were thinking the same thing. We were because Kemp played some running back, played some H back at Virginia before he moved to wide receiver. So I think he does have that sort of versatility. If he has the same wiggle. And if not the straight line speed, at least the acceleration and the burst to get out of those cuts quickly and be a weapon in that short to intermediate area, that's huge. Because as we go through who some of the top guys for Nebraska could be strict, Marcus Washington is more a downfield threat. He's a speed guy, more traditional kind of number one wide receiver. The other guys you lost, Trey Palmer, downfield threat, gone. But that's not it. You're, you're missing out on Travis Vokalek, who owned the middle of the field when he was healthy, who was always there as a safety blanket. Alante Brown is back. Still not sure what Nebraska can expect from him. Had his best year at Nebraska. That's not saying much. He didn't really contribute his first couple. Um, he could be a guy, but the, what the addition of Billy Kemp does is gives you a guy that's been around the block. He's played a lot of college football and brings a skill set that I don't think Nebraska will need to rely on him to be the number one guy with Marcus Washington. Maybe Janarin Bonner steps up. Maybe Jaden Doss is ready to go from day one. But if he can become that safety blanket for whether it's Casey Thompson or Jeff Sims, if he can be that guy who's reliable with his hands underneath and can get yards after catch on easy throws, that opens up so many other levels for Marcus Satterfield in the offense. Yeah, and, and I'm going to throw this throw this out too because, I mean, I think it's still interesting. And... I'm going to throw a buy and sell because we're not doing buy and sell today, but I'm going to throw one at you. I want to, I, I want to really get your take on this because he's a hometown kid. 
Mm-hmm. He comes out of my alma mater. Nice. So you know I'm biased. <laughs> As you should um, be. But he's got, he's got those qualities, Austin. Deep field threat. Can, can do a lot of stuff out of the jet. Can get in the backfield out of the option if you want to do some, some, some stuff like that. Um, he has a, he has a skill set that he can get inside and out. I still think his route running needs a little bit of work and, and taking a year off. That ain't going to help, but are you buying and selling that Matt rule is making a play at Xavier Betts being that they don't have, he's an in-state kid hmm. being that they have just, just, just landed Malachi Coleman in state. Do you just try to keep him being that he's going to jump in that transfer portal, looking for a place a year removed, where can he go? And potentially have better success than right here at home. Right. My By gut, sell. Yeah. My gut tells me that it's a sell. It's just, I, I would love to have Xavier Betts back at Nebraska. I think he would add another guy very similar to Marcus Washington. When he did get the ball and he was on the field uh, those couple of years, he was a stud. He looked like he was on his way to great things. So I, I think Xavier Betts would be mm-hmm. a great re-addition to the team. I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I wish it would. I, I wish Xavier Betts had that. I, I don't want to question his drive if he wants to play football or not, but that's what it was. He took a he took a break from football. He needed to step away for personal reasons. So I, I don't know how that would go over in a locker room. Uh, I don't know how that would be handled mm-hmm. by a very young wide receivers coach. That's a guy that needs you know a lot of help and things to be, I think, as simple as possible in his first crack at Power 5 coaching. I think that would be a lot to throw at the coach. I think it would take absolutely incredible leadership in the locker room. I know Scott Frost and Mickey Joseph praised the guys they had in there. I think Casey Thompson's a great leader. I think Jeff Sims has his work cut out for him. I don't know about any other guys on the offense. But think about what else you lose. You lose Garrett Nelson. You lose Caleb Tanner, who are two of the louder voices who have been around the block. So if you're going to go get a guy like Xavier Betts, I think you have to have that culture in place so he knows this is the way things are done. You know, there are no shortcuts. There is no half in, half out. So if this was year two or year three of Matt Rule, I would buy it. But given that it's year one, I'm going to have to sell. Okay. Uh, Texter on the text line, Sutterhaven text line, actually, uh, gentlemen and and ladies, is open to you always, 402-464-5685. Also, we would love to take a uh, maybe a call as we get into Nebraska basketball. Love to hear a perspective on what you've seen. Uh, has it met your expectations? Do you feel that there's more that they can give? Or have they peaked and reached their ceiling? I would love to hear from you on the Honda Lincoln Hotline, 402-464-5685, as we transition on to uh, basketball now. Uh, as we see, um, Nebraska, the Cornhuskers are going to be at Pinnacle Bank Arena tonight at 8 p.m. Central uh, against the Fighting Illini of Illinois. Um, it is their 17th game this season. Uh, Nebraska coming off of a win at Minnesota on the road on January 7th in overtime and um, had a tremendous effort from Derek Walker with 22 points, eight rebounds, and seven assists. Nebraska stayed in a fight. Jawan Gary was battling on the inside with a season high of 18 points as well. A big tip in he had in order to kind of, you know, push the lead and, and preserve a run that Minnesota was pushing themselves on. Greasel is continuously starting to show some consistency in running the team 
with 17, 6, and 5. Uh, Nebraska went 8 from 11 from the free throw line. That is something that was a, a, a tremendous emphasis for them to make sure that they shore up. Because when you get into games like this, these overtime games, you want to be able to knock those down. They were able to do that to preserve the win. Now, the Fighting Illini, Austin, are coming in um, to this game at 10 and 5, 1 and 3 in Big Ten play. Um, they, they, but, but the thing about them, though, is they're coming off, knocking off number 14, Wisconsin, 79-69 uh, on Saturday. Uh, the team shot 47% from the field, had four players in double figures. They were able to pull off a big upset for them against number 14, Wisconsin. So now we have, a, um, you know, the difference between this team, Austin, and the team of, of old is this team had Trent. Um, Frazier. Uh, gosh darn it. Uh, Trent, Trent. Frazier. Uh, Trent Frazier. What would you say? Frazier. Trent Frazier. Yeah. Yeah, they had Trent Frazier, and they had big boy, big body, Kofi Cokeburn. Uh, they came in banging, but the Huskers fought. They hung in there. They were able to uh, keep it close and got a little run at the end, the last four minutes, to end up losing the game. But they don't have that this year. They basically had to retool and revamp. So this team is not coming in the same, but they're coming off some a confident win uh, against a good Wisconsin team. What are your expectations for tonight? What does this team have to do tonight? I'll give my my perspective after you. But what are your thoughts? Also, Soder Heyman text line is open, 402-464-5685. And we, we would like to take maybe one call from you guys here. What your perspective is, what you think about this team. Do you think they peaked or do you think they have more to offer? Love to hear from you. Go ahead. So I would have liked this game a lot better for Nebraska if Wisconsin had found a way to beat Illinois. Illinois played closer to its talent level against Wisconsin. Think about how Illinois started the season, that win in New York against Texas. That was huge for them. What a game that was. So it's a little bit different of a team than normal because it's kind of pieced together with transfers. Terrence Shannon, transfer. Uh, Matt Meyer, he's a transfer. Those are the two best players on the team. Sky Clark just left the team, but he's a transfer. So uh, and Shannon and Meyer, two of your guys averaging over 10 points. And that's a similarity between these two teams, Strick. A lot of guys in that 9 to 10 point range. Nebraska's got six averaging at least nine. Illinois has five. So... Terrence Shannon, I still think, is the dude for Illinois. I think he's going to be the one uh, that has the ball in his hands if the game gets tight late and he can take over. I I think Meyer's a bad matchup. I think he's an interesting kind of wing guy that Nebraska doesn't have a great answer for. Uh, I think you stick Juwan Gary on him, but I still think Meyer's pretty darn That's 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 the only option. I think it has to be. Yeah, I don't think think C.J. Wilcher can handle him. I don't think C.J. can handle him. Then you're going to risk uh, wearing out Greasel. Vandermill potentially, but he's he's kind of got a little wiry strength to him that 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 could possibly get Vandermill in foul trouble type of deal. So I yeah, you're right. He's kind of just one of those uh, you know trouble mitch, mix, uh, trouble matches for the Huskers. Right. So I think you get you get Vandermill on Shannon. I, I think Shannon's still explosive yep. enough athletically that yep. Vandermill has to have a great defensive game. Shannon's going to get his. He's a tough shot taker. He's a tough shot maker. Make him work for him. You want to get the ball in Terrence Shannon's hands and keep it there. Because if he's able to distribute two guys like uh, Matt Meyer, who's spotted up, to Dane Danger, the other one that interests me is Coleman Hawkins. I wasn't sold on him last year. He was weird, just a random throw into that lineup. Mm. He's really come into his own, completely different 
than Kofi. They were playing four round one with Kofi. They can legitimately play five out now with Coleman Hawkins. I do like that Nebraska saw a guy like Dawson Garcia a little bit stretchier of a big, but Garcia created more offense than I think Hawkins will. So I think there's more of an emphasis uh, mm-hmm. on Derek Walker to, to stop those ball screens. None of the help side guys to be there. Hawkins isn't going to create a whole lot. So if you can take away uh, the driver and then quick recover back out to Hawkins, you won't have to worry as much about him being that second side ball handler to create like Garcia was. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. Um, uh, I can't see because I'm not in studio right now. Uh, Austin, I don't know if the board is ringing. If not, we won't take a call. We'll just continue on. Uh, but that's fine. But we, like I say, we always love to hear from you guys. Uh, also on the stream, we love to hear from you as well. But the text line did have something to say, and I wanted to address it real quick. Uh, texter said, um, texter 6153 said that I think Kemp is a couple inches taller. Wait, no, let's go back. He says, Billy Kemp is a good pickup. He is very productive for Virginia, and he's really good punt return, kick return guy. He'll definitely have a role on this team. I think Kemp is a couple of inches taller than Wandale Robinson, but just not as thick. He's probably a more of a true slot receiver, as you said, Austin, and instead of a Swiss Army knife type of guy. So that's that's a little something out of the text line. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it, I, I, I'm hoping. Because one of the things that that you said about this um, um, earlier, I think it may have been the crossover. Well, I think was said in the crossover was this team, Nebraska, is six and one at home, which is an unusual thing. But it's a great stat to make mention of as they find themselves coming back home. It seems like they seem to get it going. I think the crowds have been tremendous for them since I've been going. Uh, to the games. They've been great, um, been very supportive, but you've seen the effort. The effort just seems to go to a – the effort's always there, whether they're on the road or whatnot, except the Michigan State. It kind of was a little bit – it wasn't the same. But I'm hoping that they can start to stretch this 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 roster, get some extra guys a little bit more time, get them a little bit more experience, get them a little bit more effort guys out there. I just don't see them having success – if they have to continue to play their starters with those high minute totals uh, for the rest of the year, they might be able to survive January doing that, but you don't end the season in January. You still got February and then the tournaments in early March, the big 10 tournament. That is, if you want to be, you know, rounding into form at the right time, to some degree, you might have to take some lumps right now. Obviously, you're not in a position where you can give games away or bank wins and say, ah, oh, we're okay with letting the young guys roll here. But I think there's a fine line to draw between making sure you're playing to win, you have your best guys on the floor, and making sure you get wins, and really a pivotal year for Fred Hoiberg, but also making sure that you know the last taste you're going to leave in people's mouth, more than likely, is that Big Ten tournament. You want to be playing your best basketball at the end of February, into March, rather than, you know, a week and a half into January. So if that means you sit Sam Griesel yeah. for an extra couple minutes, if you sit Emmanuel Bandemel for a couple extra minutes over this next, you know, couple weeks of games, where you're on the road a lot, too, Strick, that's the thing. Nebraska's not at home very much. You have this game, you have Ohio State, and then you have Northwestern at home, but you still have four more road games 
in the month of January you got to get through. So if you were at home and not traveling, I mean, I haven't done anything more than bus trips, but you know, being in the league, travel's different than being at home, right? There's just a different vibe to it. You know, hopping on planes, hopping on buses versus being able to sleep in your own bed. So whenever you can steal those guys an extra minute or two of rest, you have to find a way to balance that that short-term game of here's what we're doing tonight versus what's our long-term goal and how can we best accomplish that? See, I'm going to have to ask Fred this question the next time I, um, I'm i back in town and I go to a, a media day because um, you just said something that's very interesting because you know, when I was playing Austin, one of the things that um, we used to do is uh, Coach Knee would, uh, Danny Knee would would uh, basically take us out of our houses and put us in on East Campus at one of the uh, hotels there, huh. and we would stay there at the hotel and and prepare that night. We would eat together. We would have a roommate. We would just sleep there on campus get ready, go do a shoot around the next day and, uh, you know, get ready for the game. That's kind of how we would do it. Uh, we pretty much would stay that whole time. I just don't know if this team does that. I don't know if they do that while they're at home. I'm going to ask that question. I want to find that out. I think that's an interesting thing because another part of it too, Austin, is when I played in the league, a lot of people don't understand the difference between 30, maybe 40 games than 80 something games. Mm -hmm. And it's a big difference. Um, I still don't like the fact that they start resting people and, you know, fans pay good money in order to see those, those guys play. Uh, but I can understand. I also know that those cats didn't have two a days the way that we had it too, Austin. <laughs> the two a days we had, I mean, it was five days. It was a whole week. It's like they go to, they go to three practices and they play exhibition games. I'm like, wait a minute. What? What happened here? Why wasn't this going on? Whew. We had to jump in ice baths and all kinds of stuff just to keep ourselves going. You know, the best the best time of my life, Austin, was when I was in Boston and I came late. So I missed all the training camp, but I was in shape, Ooh. went straight to playing. I was like, I was like, yeah. Living it, living right. So, uh, you know, <laughs> that's a dynamic, though. It really is. Um, how you're handling at home and road games and on top of that, uh, even though it's not 80-some games, man, 30-some games with those type of minutes, if you're not used to that and your body's not acclimated to that, it can be a, it can be a, it can be a monster. And your longest break is only going to be a handful of days. You're not doing like you had the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, like a few in, days. Yeah, like in COVID or even yeah. last year, Nebraska was playing more that, you know, what Fred called an NBA schedule where you have like one day between games, the one day preps, you at least have a couple days, sometimes a few days between games, but your long break is done. You're in it now. I mean, Christmas is coming right. on right. You're playing consistently right. from here to the big 10 tournament. So you have to find ways to, you know, keep those guys as fresh as you can while understand, Hey, this is the grind. You guys got to find a way, especially mentally to get through it. Austin, I'm going to give away something right now. Um, I'm going to do a giveaway. I'm going to give away either um, a basketball card or a picture to a, uh, to a listener uh, on the stream or also off the text line. Check this out. When I was playing with the Vancouver Grizzlies, we had one of the longest road trips I've ever had in my career. How long was that road trip? 
And what do you, what what how long was that road trip? It's a two part. How long was that road trip? I'll give away two. I'll give away one for the road trip time, and I'll give away one for um, um, how many games we played in one week, Ooh, and, okay. and and to to amass that. So, how many games were we able to get in in one week on that? And also, how long was the road trip? If you can answer that, I'll give away um, uh, you know uh, one of my basketball cards or uh, a signed autograph picture on the text line. Sorry if you can, you. it don't have to be in this segment. Um, uh, no, not yet. Nobody's got it yet. You guys are close. No, not yet. I see you coming in. Um, but we're, we're going to take a break. And once you hit, we'll come back and announce the winner. But uh, thank you guys once again for tapping in. Again, how long was the road trip? And how many games in one week were we able to get in uh, while on the road trip? Um, We'll be right back. This is 93.7 The Ticket. You're on the block. We'll come right back and we'll talk with Steve Sipple when we get back. All right.